Welcome, listeners, to the Everlasting Stories Podcast. Brought to you by Sick Semper Serpent Books in Minneapolis, Minnesota, I'm your host, Michael Strand. And today I have a special treat for you. The editor-in-chief at Sick Semper Serpent, T. Martin Krauss, will read for you his original short story, Thera. Tonight's entry is part of the Unspeakable Stories series and was published on the Everlasting Stories archive at patreon.com slash sicksemperserpent. You can gain full access to this story and the rest of the archive for just $1 a month. And if you're digging this podcast, you can get full access to early episodes of this podcast at the $3 a month level. The Unspeakable Stories series features shorts in the style of H.P. Lovecraft and The Twilight Zone. They're fun, they're funny, they're touching, they're psychedelic, and they're short. So, I will tarry no longer and present to you Thera by T. Martin Krauss, read today by the author. Enjoy. I must write this down before I go insane. Madness has infected my thoughts since witnessing that horrific sight. My new cosmic visions have become too potent to bear. I have a new purpose beyond life. My only respite is death, a fate I will soon embrace. Before I sacrifice myself and feel that sweet relief, though, I must relate to you a most unspeakable story. The encounter that altered the course of my life happened on Mount Olympus, near the shore of western Washington state. The day was ordinary, except for the clear blue skies foreign to any resident of the Pacific Northwest. I hiked up the mountain with no intent to reach the summit. I contemplated the course of my life. Several hardships recently befalling me weighed heavy that day. So small and insignificant they seem now. The powerful combination of sudden, crippling debt and the recent tragic loss of my younger brother left my mental state in ruin. My nerves felt like the frayed end of an old cord. I sought nature to ground myself and reset my life by returning to the earth. In truth, I don't know what I thought I'd find on the slopes of Mount Olympus. Maybe I was seeking a personal revelation. Maybe I just needed a good hike. In the clean air, I found a temporary moment of peace. Walking along, I was simply alive. No debt, no grief, no aimlessness just a human animal in its once natural habitat. I breathed deep. My public radio app reminded me that international leaders were descending on Seattle to pledge unity on actionable measures against climate change. The conference had dominated local news cycles ever since its announcement last year. 
The Dalai Lama and other dignitaries had been spotted at SeaTac Airport all morning, preparing for a dialogue about a multifaceted approach to mitigating the worst effects of our changing world. I couldn't have cared less. Such diplomatic flumery rarely accomplishes anything. Walking higher along the trail up Mount Olympus, my mind returned to its orbit around my pitiful life. Fresh air had filled me with a new clarity. I could now see the true depth of my loneliness. My brother was one of my closest friends. I no longer could confide in him my daily frustrations. The small talk made with co-workers and friendly strangers was the most significant human interaction I'd had since Gabe died last month. Did I somehow deserve this tragedy? With my head often buried in my hands and my thoughts occupying different times and spaces, I heard the calamity before I saw it. A great disturbance far off in the distance sent waves and geysers crashing so forcefully I could hear the commotion from many miles away. A visual anomaly out at sea caught my attention as I sought the source of the noise. Mostly hidden by the curvature of the earth, I mistook the explosion for a rogue wave at first, but rogue waves do not alter the shape of the horizon so drastically. No, the tumult I witnessed at sea was like the birth of an island, a volcanic event so disruptive it had the power to render ocean maps obsolete with one explosion. Plumes of water and mist shot into the air. I could not discern how many miles distant the eruptions occurred, but the spires of water and mud must have surged hundreds of feet into the air. Maybe thousands. Immediately, I wondered if anyone on planet Earth had ever witnessed such an event. I was struck with a crushing sense of awe. Such majesty, this natural world of ours. I stood for ten minutes watching water and seabed violently churn near the surface far from shore before realizing this was no ordinary volcanic eruption. Unsettling factors made the series of explosions exceptionally terrifying. The newly forming land rose too quickly from the surface of the Pacific, fire and lava conspicuously absent. In less than half an hour, what appeared to be an entire ridge of green mountains had grown out of the sea. The new landmass looked as though someone had draped the rocky mountains in a forest shroud and dropped them in the middle of the Pacific Ocean. At this time, I began to question my mental faculties. Surely this was a depression-induced hallucination, a fantastic sight to offset my overwhelming life. I began to weep, not only at the sheer beauty of it, but also at my own insignificance. I accepted the impossible sight as delusion related to the revelation I had been so desperately seeking. Until I saw the eye. One flame-orange eyeball flicked open at the northern end of the newly formed mountain range. I blinked twice to make sure I wasn't dreaming. There it was, clear as day. A dragon's eye, large as Bermuda, staring north out across its new marine domain. Tsunamis from the initial explosion began to reach the shore below me. Crashing, foaming waves ripped away centuries of sandy shoreline before plunging through the temperate rainforest beyond. Trees were uprooted and carried inland along with a growing mass of sandy, muddy debris. When the green mountains began to move, 
on their own, I nearly fainted. From my distance, the earthly giant seemed to rotate smoothly on the surface of the water like a big ship caught in a slow whirlpool. My heart rate accelerated to dangerous levels. My breathing became erratic, panicked. I lost track of the passage of time and hiked with a renewed vigor. Then the smell washed over me. A mix of dead fish and wet soil. It smelled as though someone were holding a long dead mackerel directly under my nose. At first I did not think it possible this wretched smell was related to the far distant Leviathan. I gagged on the scent, which led me to think it real. Can insanity be so complete as to manufacture an olfactory mirage? The smell did not relent. It lingers in my nostrils still. I braved another glance at the moving ridge of mountains. The monster had completed a quarter turn, still floating smoothly and slowly, but now bearing straight east toward Mount Olympus. Toward me. Once the behemoth had turned east to face Washington, it began to float forward very slowly. My response was clumsy. I turned and hastily ran down the path I had hiked up, determined to reach my car and maybe Idaho before the monster made landfall. I didn't get the chance. The mountainous monster locked its eyes on me. I felt it before I saw it. I turned from my retreat and made eye contact with the colossal abomination. Gnarly storm clouds gathered to form a brooding cap near the peaks of the mountain ridge. Surrounding moisture condensed into dark lenses lingering over the terrestrial Goliath. Its gargantuan orange eye stared directly at me from half the world away. A laser beam a mile wide disintegrated my body and boiled my soul, or so its gaze felt. A cosmic perspective washed over me, as if hundreds of miles had suddenly been reduced to one inch. The ancient horror was far out at sea, but felt directly in front of me. For the first time, I worried there may be no escape. I knew the sight of this elder giant marked me. I lost my tether to reality then. A new consciousness took possession of my mind. It gave me terrifying visions. I witnessed those fates worse than death. A foreign rage flowed through me. It told me, All will be made to answer for the accumulated sins of mankind. The alpine beast gripped my mind and held tight. The monster projected into me the true purpose of its upheaval and its ultimate destination at the heart of Seattle. The green behemoth showed me how it enforced our planet's immune system, that it was an entity summoned from time to time to eliminate a planetary pest or infection. A great sense of relief spread through the flora and fauna of the world, knowing that she had finally been called to atone for humanity's crimes of petroleum and radiation. My brother appeared to me from somewhere beyond the cosmic veil, I felt his new being on a new world somewhere in the universe. Her visions in my mind exceeded the boundaries of death and connected to a fourth-dimensional universal network. I saw all of the dead from all of time, how they live again, 
I saw the one life force, the infinite well of consciousness from which all beings spring forth. I saw billions of humans distracted with their little chores of money and power, ignoring the larger elements at play in their world. I saw a planet responding to a homegrown threat. With my last ounce of sanity and bravery, I turned and continued to run down Mount Olympus. I could feel the Titan still exploring my mind, as if one look were enough for it to infect my brain for eternity. I was in such a fit as I clambered down the slope, I don't remember most of my descent. I slipped many times, gathering scrapes and bruises as I stumbled downhill. It felt as though she inhabited me still, controlling my body, learning how to use my legs and arms for the first time. When I turned back, the forested leviathan had come impossibly close to shore. Despite its glacial movement, the island mountain terror had somehow covered unfathomable distance in a short time. The casual grace with which it traversed half the Pacific Ocean in a few minutes amplified my sense that miles were as inches to this beast. Thunderstorms roiled dark and violent near the summits of the terrestrial behemoth, cracking lightning bolts in erratic directions. Its storm front blanketed the whole rainforest and Mount Olympus with a blast of cool air. Chills ran down my spine. The height of its jagged peaks gave me an intense case of vertigo. Thunder boomed as the monster raged toward the shoreline. Drops of rain began to pelt my face, washing away some of the putrid scent that lingered in the air. At this close distance, its summits blocked out the sun and cast large shadows across the land. She was taller than the Himalayas and far greener. Every square inch of the Earth Titan seemed to be covered in dense forest, with no clearings or bare crags. I couldn't understand how greenery could thrive so vibrantly on such steep slopes. Her forest was unbroken except for the single flaming eye, still glaring directly at me. I could see a pupil the size of a large city, surrounded by blazing flames. Within the monstrous cornea, color undulated like fire, shifting through various shades of red, white, and orange. Dread pressed on the seams of my existence, nearly dropping me to my knees. Still, I ran down Mount Olympus on limbs barely under my control. Eventually, the ground leveled out, and I found myself on the relatively flat path back to the whole rainforest visitor center. My blood felt like acid pumping through my veins. My lungs raged like crazed bellows. Suddenly, a massive impact tremor sent me tumbling to the ground. What might have felt like an earthquake any other day was, in reality, a calamity unknown to humans making landfall near La Push, Washington. I chanced another look at the monster, which now crashed into land instead of gliding over water. A crushing boom of earth drowned out the thunder as millions of cubic feet of sand were displaced. The roar of destruction resonated with the same frequency as the now quaking earth, nearly collapsing my lungs with its shockwaves and throwing me off my feet. The wide base of the angry mountains moved through the earth the same way a snowplow moves through snow. 
the front edge of its bulk did not clear sea level, creating a leading wave of dirt and debris like an angry glacier and fast forward. Mud, trees, and seawater blended together into a mass of liquid destruction that crashed further and further inland, wiping out a majority of the rainforest that once existed there. The smell of dirt and fresh-cut timber mixed with the rotten scent of the monster. The titan's pace was not slowed as she cut through the earth, carving a path just north of Mount Olympus before bearing east towards Seattle. I could see the ever-growing wave of debris and destruction towering above the trees in front of me. I had no choice but to get to my feet and run back up the mountain. The eye followed me. I felt it now like a lead curtain over my shoulders as I fled back up Mount Olympus. I didn't have to look to know it was watching me. I felt it. The smell overpowered me. So caustic were the fumes that my eyes began to burn. The scent took on the quality of ammonia, singeing my sinuses. Combined with the deafening crash of earth and hot ozone of lightning, my senses were overloaded. I heaved great gasps of rancid air as I ran with the last of my strength. The thunderous rumbling increased as the debris wave in front of the advancing monster grew larger and began to crash around the valleys surrounding Mount Olympus. A large portion of rainforest had already been destroyed. Trunks of trees flowed with liquefied dirt, wiping out all in its path as the moving mountains raged ever inland. With adrenaline in my blood, I barely noticed that my legs stopped working. There was no flight left in them. As I crashed to the ground, I had my last look at the horrific Colossus. The living orogeny dwarfed Mount Olympus as it passed. Even from my lofty position, I had to strain my neck to see the summits of the monster. I clung desperately to the ground with what strength remained in my arms and legs. The greenery covering the peaks and valleys of the Leviathan was lush and vibrant unlike anything I had ever seen. The forest draping its flanks behaved like a cloud, always shifting and flowing across the surface. In addition to its ever-flowing skin of forest, the entire monstrosity subtly grew and shrank, as if inflating and deflating, or breathing in and out. Its piercing orange eye was now directly across from me. I had gained enough altitude in my final escape to be on its level. The colossal ring of fire stared directly at me, now less than a mile away, taking up most of my field of vision. I felt as though I could reach out and touch it. Rocks and boulders from the wave of destruction crashed dangerously close to me, leaving deep rents in the mountainside, but my legs simply would not respond to my brain's command to flee. Instead, I held eye contact with the black pit ringed in flame. As I stared helplessly into the overpowering gaze of the galactic steward, her voice rang loud in my head once more. Above the thunder and the rain, deeper than the booming destruction of Earth, she spoke to me through the eye. She told me of those who would soon be dead in Seattle and how the world would grieve. 
A grand drama of extinction unfolded in my head. Seattle was just the beginning of humanity's atonement. She would hold us accountable for our neglect by carving up the entire face of the planet to eradicate us. This masterstroke of elimination would kill her. Like a massive eraser, the moving archipelago of bio-essence would spread herself over the dark stains of humanity, leaving only clean, diverse life in her wake. As a bee guts itself when committing to sting, so will she strike with suicidal resolve. Earth will be left without a guardian. The glow of the eye increased, blocking out all other vision. Faint shadows of heaven-scraping animated mountains completely disappeared in the bright, flickering flame. Reality melted away. There was only the eye burning rampant and nuclear like the sun. Then she spoke to me in my mother tongue. Follow the glow. I fainted from the mental overload of her words blasted into my head. The hulking eco-behemoth flowed just north of Mount Olympus on its eastward journey towards Puget Sound, leaving a flattened path in its wake. Ocean water rushed in to fill the deep cut in the earth flooding a large channel recently occupied by old-growth rainforest. As the Colossus passed and set its bearings on Seattle, I awoke, and another strange vision captured my attention. There, on the ocean horizon, where the horror first arose, a glow emerged from the depths. Even from such a distance, I could see it was the same flame-orange color as the monster's eye. Something yet lingers there, beneath the waves, giving off light. An impulse tugs at me, urging me into the ocean, toward the orange glow that emanates from the deep. To find the source of this glow is the only sense of purpose I have left. I stand muddy on the shore of what feels like a galactic ocean. I have come down from the mountain to find the source of the light beneath the waves and to meet my cosmic creator. The ethereal orange portal calls to me, beckoning me deep below. There is no ignoring the call. I have a new role to play, and I must not disappoint the dead nor the living. Only history will tell if I have witnessed the greatest calamity to ever befall the human race or simply lost my mind with mundane grief. I pause only to write this most unspeakable story as I have seen it, so fate may judge the truth. Even with this burden laid down, still, I see the eye. I must go. I must follow the glow. Alrighty, listeners, that's tonight's story. 
I hope you enjoyed listening to it as much as I enjoyed producing it and Tom enjoyed reading and writing it. We love making these stories for you, and we would like to be able to do this for a long time. That's why we need sustaining members on Patreon.com. You can get early access for $3 a month and access to all of the written stories, that's every single one of them, at the $1 a month level. The text and the audio for this episode were produced by me, Michael Strand, Managing Editor at Six Semper Serpent. The author and the narrator for tonight's episode was T. Martin Krauss, and he's the editor-in-chief at Six Semper Serpent. And finally, the music from this episode of the podcast is by Bay Area producer Binkadink, a.k.a. Caitlin Shepard. Find her music at binkadink.bandcamp.com. Oh yeah, and don't forget, folks, when this happens, you know... It's going down for real. Fire and lava, conspicuously absent. Thank you so much for listening. And if you have been, thanks for subscribing. We'll see you next time on the Everlasting Stories podcast. <laughs>